Hello and welcome back to Intern Investing. I'm Connor Allen, joined with a very special guest today, Luke Schoenfelder, CEO of Latch. Luke, welcome to the channel. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Connor. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on. This is going to be a fun conversation. Um, so for all the people watching, we had an episode covering what Latch does a few months ago. So if you find this conversation interesting, definitely go check that out. We're going to link to that in, in the description. So we, it was basically just a kind of brief introduction to the company. So go and check that out. But Luke, for everybody listening and watching that doesn't really have an idea what Latch does, can you give me a brief summary uh, of what Latch is? Yeah, absolutely. So Latch as a company is focused on making products that make spaces better places to live, work, and visit. We do that um, through software, through hardware, through experiences. Um, and really our vision has been to take the world's oldest subscription product, which is renting a space, and just make it better. And there's so many things um, that this industry just doesn't have. And as a renter, uh, you know, for, for most of my adult life, um, it's been a really interesting uh, series of problems that you know I've experienced and I think a lot of people don't realize just how large a market this is uh, you know there's 40 million you know rental units in just the United States and you know as we think about the global opportunity this is a, a huge huge opportunity across um, you know all sorts of different buildings all over the world and for us we've just tried to stay focused on how do we make the experience the best we can using sort of the, the background in product and thinking about these complex systems to then make it as simple as possible for a building owner to adopt our technologies, for a resident to use our technologies, and for it to all form this you know, harmonious ecosystem that just makes it better for everybody. That's great. So it started for, for everybody. So it started off with smart locks, and then it moved yeah. into a variety of other products as well, correct? Well, so from a product standpoint, absolutely. I would say what's always been consistent is the vision. And for us, we've always been focused on the things that become possible once the physical world is digital. And so while locks are absolutely, you know, the first product that we shipped externally, we've always sort of envisioned uh, a world that's much bigger than that. And if you think about, you know, our collaborations with delivery companies and other things like that, going back, you know, many years, our focus has always been, how do you make the space better? And, you know, one of those components that we realized was that, you know, access was this category that was going to hold back lots of efficiency and lots of experience elements at the building. And we just saw that that was the pain point to sort of uh, start with. And then that enabled us to build this high utilization software, this high utility software, and then build in all sorts of new capabilities on top of that foundation. So it's the foundational element, but it was always intended to just sort of be the gateway into all the additional things we wanted to do on top. So, so when I started looking into Latch and when I tell people about Latch, I often mention that you used to work at Apple and it seems like yeah. the brand is, is somewhat similar. Um, not in the fact that I think it would be good to compare Latch and Apple, but I think that the way that the, the simplicity is with the brand and the quality of the brand, when you just go to the website, kind of the vibe of the website reminds me a little bit of Apple. So I know you spent some time there and I believe it was in and international relations. Okay. Yeah, and, and your co-founder. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, Do you yeah. think that kind of helped shape what Latch is? Yeah, absolutely. But what I would also say is that, so my co-founder um, was a senior industrial designer at Apple in the late 90s. And so if you think about the Apple you know today, it was really set in motion at that point in time. And, you know, Thomas, uh, Thomas Meyerhofer, who's our uh, chief design officer and co-founder, um, you know, his background, he grew up in Sweden. 
He, you know, worked at uh, IDEO. He worked at Porsche. You know, these were companies that go back and have this design tradition around simplicity. Um, you know, the uh, Dieter Rams industrial design aesthetic, these things are sort of the common lineage that Apple drew off of and Latch also draws off of. And so I would say we're almost, we're going back to sort of similar inspirations, but it's not, we're not just trying to be the Apple of our space. It actually is, uh, it goes back much deeper than that. And I think I'm a huge Apple fanboy. I worked at Apple uh, in, in worldwide government affairs. I also worked in the retail when I was in college. Um, and for me, you know, Apple's a brand that I very much love and respect, and I'm a big product, uh, big fan of Apple products. But the challenge um, that Apple has is very different from the challenge that we have. Apple, generally speaking, serves a, an end user, right? We have to serve this complex set of stakeholders at a building for the person who owns the space to the person who manages the space and then also the end user. And so in many ways, our challenge is more complicated. And so the ways that we have to design our products, design our experiences, have to take into account more inputs. And, you know, that's been a fun challenge for somebody who loves designing things to say, how can I make this the best possible experience for every single stakeholder that interacts with the products? Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you think about the, the way that we show up, you look at our websites, there's definitely a similarity there, but that simplicity is hearkening back to something that predates us both, I, I guess is what I would say. So smart locks obviously are very complex. Um, and I know that latch a lot of parts makes, makes a, yes, a lot of parts. And there's a lot of variables there, like what you were saying. And there's yeah. a variety of different smart lock manufacturers out there. So what are some of the things that differentiates latch from, from some of that competition? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is our focus on experience and our focus on software. And so, you know, most of the companies in this space who have a ton of respect for it, locks are super hard to build. You know, we, we announced, uh, in late in the fourth quarter, um, you know, some of our partnerships with some of the largest lock companies out there to two public ones. In fact, um, I have so much respect for the, the you know, the complexities of, of making these types of products where we've decided to focus and have always sort of focused are the end user experience of these products. And most of these companies who are in this space have been in this space for 100 years. And the core competency is sourcing and creating complex metal parts. And that is really difficult. But that world of sourcing and creating complex metal parts is different from creating a lifestyle experience on top of software. And I think for us, what we've tried to do is leverage the best capabilities on the hardware side, combine it with our expertise with product design, software, and experience to create something that really feels and works differently than you know, anything else that has, uh, has, has really come before us. That's exactly what I would have said if someone had asked me that same, <laughs> good, that good, same good. question, is that <laughs> the software is is definitely what differentiates Latch because that's not offered with a lot of other smart locks, whether they have different codes that that's you right. can put in uh, and, and those types of things aren't offered. And, but, and furthermore, on that point, you know, talking about multiple stakeholders, even if there is software, it typically only serves, it's really meant to serve one stakeholder. So mm -hmm. if it's being sold to a hotel, it's really meant to serve the front desk. If it's being sold at a, you know, at Best Buy to a consumer, it's really meant to serve the consumer. The ability to serve all of the stakeholders is, is another uh, you know, pretty unique and differentiated thing that our software does as well. You know, I haven't heard anything about hotels, but do you think that's a market that, that Latch could get into? It, you know, I, look, there's always opportunities to, for, for expansion. I think what I would say is, you know, we're, we're very excited about what's happening in the multifamily industry and where you're seeing 
hospitality use cases happening at scale through Airbnb and other platforms where you're seeing the multifamily apartment building become a hospitality environment. Um, and, you know, we're, we've been active participants in supporting folks with those technologies in those types of environments for a while now. We also, um, Alan uh, Smith, who used to be the CEO of the Four Seasons, uh, has been on our board for years. Um, so, you know, we see a lot of parallels with what has happened in the hospitality industry to what the multifamily future looks like. Um, but I think, you know, we're going to continue to stay focused on our core, which is that um, experience for the multifamily uh, ecosystem. So I got to listen to the Q4 earnings call um, yeah. and guidance was over a hundred percent for 2022. Um, yeah. And there was quite a negative reaction to the stock price, even with that guidance. And so my yeah. question is, do you care much about the stock price um, or are you really focused on the business itself? Those are, it's a great question. I think there's almost two questions in there. Do I care about the stock price? Absolutely. I have to deliver for all the shareholders that we have. Um, you know, so many of our employees have, you know, really the highest concentration of their life savings in this. So many of our shareholders are, you know, representing and investing pension funds, endowments, you know, things that are really important um, to society. Um, I have a huge responsibility to deliver for our shareholders. And I think about that a lot. Now, the difference, you know, I, I think that I would put is you asked, do I focus on it? Right. And the, the, the way that I focus on it is thinking about the long term. And for us, we have to focus on the day to day and we have to focus on executing on the day to day. But we also have to focus on the vision of where we're going. And I think when you look at a company like Latch, it's always been about this bigger opportunity and this bigger vision. And so we have to deliver on the things that we say that we're going to do and build that credibility on of. For, for delivering in the short term, while also continuing to build that long term future. And I think that's the challenge of, of any company that's really growing at the rates that we are, is balancing those two things effectively. How do you continue to deliver and set the right targets in the short term, while also delivering on that long term vision? And so, you know, that's the challenge. Stock price is a reflection of where the market thinks that you are focusing. And, you know, we want to make sure that we're delivering for our shareholders by focusing on the right things. So that, that's that's the perfect way to answer that question. I, that that's a great answer. Um, but in Q four, you also mentioned that Latch OS is becoming a part of other manufactured products, or there's going to be some different integrations yeah. from partner companies. Yeah. So I, I I saw this, and the first thing I thought of was was Roku, where other companies work yeah. in the hardware low margin space, and Roku yep. is providing the software, which is a lot higher margin, and. Do you think that this is kind of the direction that Latch is going to go? Do you think that's a good comparison or is Latch always going to be involved in the hardware space? No, I think Roku is a great comparison. I think um, you got to look at it, uh, the product suite and say, and I, I think one thing that was also, as we did some uh, callbacks and I've had further conversations after the earnings call, I think a lot of people were surprised by, you know, sort of our, our enablement of some of these uh, third-party products, which was interesting because it was something that we talked about um, you know, pretty extensively last year as being a, a real opportunity for us. We announced these things uh, in November, um, but I think a lot of people didn't realize how serious we were about it. And I think that it is going to really expand our reach, expand the number of people that we can serve. I think your Roku example is a great one because what they've been able to do is say, here's what we're really good at. We're really good at the experience part of this. And we are going to allow other manufacturers to leverage that experience and software component 
Roku still makes their own devices in some instances as well, but they're able to focus on a, a narrow set of instances where they're doing something that is so unique or so differentiated that they need to keep doing it. I think that model is going to be the same for us where there's going to be elements that, you know, really are important for us to continue to make for one reason or another. It may be that this is a strategic opportunity that others don't see. So there's not a manufacturer who's making that product today that we can, we can partner with. It may be, um, a new way of retrofitting a building that people haven't thought about before. And, you know, the, and in a product category that doesn't exist, but as you look out um, over the long time horizon, we'll have a much wider mix of second and third party products um, across the board, all supporting and providing this amazing latch OS combined experience that works for every stakeholder. So speaking of hardware, um, I saw that hardware gross margins pe- fell pretty significantly in the last quarter due to a, a lot of shipping costs. Um, f- forgive me if I'm wrong. I, I believe that was the case. Um, there's, but, a, there's a lot going on in the supply chain world. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is a lot going on. And it's affecting <laughs> a lot of different companies. Uh, but my question is, what is going to drive not you know getting back to those that 20% negative gross margin but I'm talking getting to positive hardware gross margin in the future. And, and what is that going to look like? Is it going to be scale or, or, or what are some of the, the things that could drive that? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things. So there's, uh, there's the cost side. And right now we're in a, a, a world of really historic uh, costs uh, and unpredictability. And I think if you look at what's happening sort of across the supply chain, across shipping, across logistics, there's just a lot of moving pieces right now. And so we're trying to be as conservative, conservative as we can while continuing to still deliver our products for our customers because hardware is a delivery vehicle for our high margin software, right? And so if we're not um, getting those devices out there, we're not getting the software um, activated. And so that for us, it's important that we keep shipping and keep supporting our, our customers. But as we look at you know the future, I think the other elements that we need to continue to uh, just evolve and improve is how we're pricing our products as well. I think there's a really interesting opportunity around um, the way that we're, we're pricing in some instances. Um, so I think that's an opportunity. I also believe that you know as you zoom out a little bit, um, our focus is going to still remain providing hardware at a price that makes sense providing software that then scales over time. And so when we get a space that's on our platform, the smallest amount of software we'll sell to that space is sold on the first day. And we need to continue to provide new value added um, software experiences that get layered in on top of the spaces that we activate with devices. And I think that's gonna be one of the, the real areas for us to focus on how we improve margin. Really what we are focused on is how we improve our gross contribution profit dollars as a business. And the best way to do that is to deliver on the software and experiences um, with the hardware as an enabler. And you know, as we shift, as we mix shift, as we talked about on the earnings call between first, second and third party products, I think there's numerous opportunities there to you know, provide that base level experience in the space on the device side to then layer in more software, more experiences over time. And you know, this is going to be something that we continue to evolve uh, you know, going forward. So we're talking about a little bit about pricing power there. And do you think that there's stronger pricing power in the software side or the hardware side? I think it depends. I mean, the, the this is an industry where there's so many different types of projects. There's so many different scenarios. It's not, you know, going back to the... Um, uh, you know, let, let's talk about the iPod, an iPod as an example. People buy an iPod. Well, nobody really buys iPods anymore. But when they bought iPods, they bought iPods to listen to music because they wanted to listen to music on the go. 
it's a pretty narrow use case. Some people may do it in the car. Some people may do it when they're running. In our world, there are so many permutations of where Latch is used, why people are buying it, what are all the components that are going to their decision, that depending, and you know, we have to be dynamic to meet our customers where they are, because our ultimate goal is add as many spaces to the platform, the Latch OS platform as possible, and then monetize those spaces uh, on an increasing basis over time. And so those are, you know, with those as our main goals, we really have to stay focused on, you know, the things that drive that. And as we talk about pricing, you know, the growing the scale of the platform and then growing the monetization on the platform. These are things that we're always going to be making market specific adjustments on to make sure that we're hitting those highest level objectives, which are maximizing the number of spaces and then maximizing the recurring revenue from those spaces. Yeah. One thing that baffled me that I saw is that over 90% of consumers for for Latch, of customers of Latch are yeah. paying upfront for six years of software? And do you think that's going to continue into the future? Or do you think maybe prices will elevate? And I don't know if you're allowed to even speak on this, but do you think prices will elevate and and those upfront payments will, will go away in the future? So it's actually an economically rational behavior for folks to prepay, and I'll explain why. So typically, you have um, operating expenses at a building, right? And those um, buildings are typically valued on net operating income. Your operating expense line is something that you know comes out of your net operating income every year. So if you have the ability to reduce your operating expenses, it increases the value of your property. So what we've mm -hmm. seen customers do is say, we had this inefficient manual process. We're using software to make it a more efficient process. So there's some savings there. But then they're also doing something by paying up front, which is capitalizing that software expense and moving it from OpEx to CapEx. That has the effect of taking what was labor to technology and now being able to capitalize it up front, it has this really um, you know, beneficial impact on the way that their projects are valued. And even though on a grand scale of a building, um, it may be a relatively small number for them, it still matters. And so we believe that that sort of prepayment behavior that we've seen in the past is still gonna be something we see. Will it be at the exact same levels? You know, we'll see as we're as we're doing the right things to scale spaces on the platform and scale recurring revenue on the platform. But it is an economically rational sort of activity from the customer side, and we're you know really excited about that. And early on, it was very helpful for us because it helped us get low cost capital to continue to scale the business because we effectively the customers' prepayments were helping fund R and D and, and things of that nature. That's fascinating. Yeah, I a, hope it, a lot. Of, I hope a lot of people watch planned. this video. Yeah. It wasn't something we planned, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, wait, why is this happening? And then when, and, you know, we realized this very early on, but it, it made sense then once we understood the tax implications and, and things uh, that were involved. And it was, it was obviously something we benefited from enormously, particularly early on. So if you're trying to build out scale and reach the maximum amount of rooms and, and spaces as possible, marketing yeah. is a huge part of this. Uh, and yeah. so I saw last quarter that um, some operating expenses were up. 267%. And that was because you were building out uh, your marketing team. Now, yeah. do you think this is a, a one time expense? Or do you think that this is the these marketing expenses are going to stay elevated in the future? And kind of what do you see uh, marketing looking like for you guys in the future? Sorry, that was a lot yeah. of questions at once. Yeah, no, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll answer. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of answer them in order. So you know, as we think about um, our products, we've really, really been focused on how do we get our products to as many people as possible and explain the values and, and so that they understand. And as we have expanded what we do, um, we really saw the need to 
better explain who we are and what we do to our customer set. And that there was this real opportunity to use marketing to do that. And so where we are now, we brought on um, Justina Amakwa as our CMO um, uh, last year um, and what she's been able to bring. So she had previously worked at Apple. She'd previously worked at Pepsi um, at, at, and at Endeavor um, is really bring this lifestyle marketing component to what we do. And what that's going to mean is really translating um, how our products fit into the daily life of our customers, how that makes a building a better place to work, how it makes a more efficient place to work, how it makes a residence day better, which has the benefit of making them want to stay longer in that building, do more at that space. That's really what, um, you know, that, that, our marketing focus is going to be is just explaining more about all the cool things that you can do with Latch. And when you, we think about the sort of expenses associated with that, 2021 was really about building that foundation because we didn't really have this expertise or this core competency before. It was about building that foundation for the growth this year and the growth going forward. And we really expect to see leverage even beginning later this year from those investments in sales and marketing such that we can, you know, we think that our expenses as a percentage of revenue have peaked and that we'll really start to, again, build that leverage and see the advantages of that scale starting to pay off even later this year. I want to take a switch here and, and kind of steer this conversation in a different direction and, and talk about your life as an entrepreneur. And this is just as yeah. much for me as anybody else, because I would love to hear about this. Um, yeah, so sure. after, after you worked for Apple, uh, and, and I believe you, did you major in international relations? Was that your major? I, I studied government, but yes. Government. Okay. Um, so what made you go from that to decide to go out and, and try, try your own thing? And I don't think Latch was your only business. Correct. No, no. Uh, you know, someone, someone, uh, well, I guess the way that I would put it is that I didn't know that being an entrepreneur was an option, right? I didn't know really anyone in my life when I was growing up. I grew up on a farm in Pennsylvania. Um, and I, you know, I looked around and there was not people starting technology companies in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I didn't really know that that was something I was even allowed to want, right? And so the way that I sort of came up I always had these side passions and things that I was building on the side because I never dared to think that, you know, my side project building this fort or building this model house or, you know, working with electronics, that that could be a job, that that could be a career. I thought that I would either had to be a doctor or a lawyer because when I looked around in my small town, those were the people that ended up being successful, whatever that meant. And so I said, all right, I don't want to be a doctor, so I guess I'm going to be a lawyer. And so for me, as I got further out into the world and, you know, got to see my world expand, I realized that there were so many other things. And there were, I remember vividly, there was this one morning, I pretty, I have a few like publications that I will always check kind of first thing in the morning to read. And at that point in time, um, it was Gizmodo and Gizmodo still exists, but it was like uh, much bigger, a bigger publication at that point in time. And I realized the first thing I would do every morning was I would read everything I could about all the latest things that were coming out in the technology world that day. And I'm like, if there was a way that this could be my job, like that would be amazing. And I didn't even think that was possible. But then I realized, well, why isn't it possible? I build things all the time. Why couldn't I be building the things like the things that I'm reading about? And that like mental shift really changed everything for me. And, and then from that point in time, I just said, I am going to try and I'm going to, I'm going to just go, go for it. And, you know, my first company um, was in modular housing. I was working in Haiti after the earthquake, super interesting, intense experience. I started a company after that um, in smart metering. 
that ultimately was not a success. It was a really crazy story uh, that uh, would be a whole podcast in and of itself, probably. Um, but it ended up teaching me so many of the things that I, I have I have needed to know um, to take this next phase of the journey, right? And to be able to take a company from an idea around a kitchen table to, you know, to being public and being, uh, you know, out in the world in the way that we are. And I think for me, that's been an incredible journey. And it was one that I, I never imagined was going to be possible. But it's just one step, one step, one step, getting really smart people, getting people aligned around a mission, and then, you know, just listening to customers, and really making sure that you're building something that adds value. And I think that's, in some ways, it's really simple. If you create a product that people love, and you do it with great people, you know, things work out. And I think we're going to just continue to do that to continue to deliver new and amazing things for our customers, new experiences out in the world, and do it with an incredible team. And that's, you know, the, the opportunity that sort of always existed. And in, in it really is as simple as that. So yeah, if you have a problem that you're passionate about, and you know, you, you can put a team together that shares that passion, that's, that's the core of, of building any successful business. You know, since high school, I've always kind of had that that mind that's always working on on new ideas. And so yeah, awesome. I have an idea for a business and you go and tell all your friends, you go and tell your parents or whatever about it and you say, this is how it's going to work. And I can only imagine if I went to them and said, well, I'm, I'm going to be making door locks. So like, what was that <laughs> situation for you? And, and who knew it could be? I, I mean, I guess you probably saw the vision that it could be this successful, but you know, kind of what was that reaction from everyone around you? Yeah. I mean, for me, I never said we're making door locks. I don't think, I think it was always about, you know, building systems for buildings and trying to change the way that people live. And, you know, that was mm -hmm. always just the sort of first part of the journey. Um, but it is funny. I mean, I remember, uh, carrying a bunch of lock prototypes around in a Pelican case, which is like a hard case that you have to travel with all over the country, all over the world. And there are some moments where it's funny. You end up in these funny situations where you have a model door lock. I think of how many times I've gone through TSA and someone has been like, what is, what is this? What, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and there are those moments where you're like, what am I doing? But you know, you, you need to be able to always stay focused on that bigger picture. And it's hard. I mean, we spent, almost four years in product development, three and a half, four years before we were, um, you know, live with customers, we were in stealth for almost three years, four years, right. And so that was in those times, the people around you, the team, keeping everybody aligned on the mission, that's what carries you through. And I think that that's what's most important is having that passion and that belief in that core group, it makes everything possible. And it makes you have the confidence to be able to push through a lot of obstacles. And I think you know, so many of uh, my friends and family were able to see that passion and see the group that was around me and around this idea. And I think that's what gave them excitement because they saw how excited I was. Yeah. Having a team around you of people that see the bigger picture everything. And, and see the vision, that definitely is a huge help so, for running a somebody business. Somebody told me once that you become the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that, when you're starting a company, the five people you spend the most time with four of them probably work with you on that idea. And so having a good group of people, not just talented, but like good humans, right, is so critical to, to then getting the next five people and the next 10 people and the next 20 people. Because if you keep that average high and you keep everybody improving each other, that's how you get the best teams, the best companies, the best products. Yeah, and that team 
seeing that vision and all having having that bigger picture in mind when they're building this business. Uh, that's yeah. a huge part of it. And, and so for you, um, if you're selling your vision on Latch, kind of like what we were talking about earlier at the beginning stages, but if you're yeah. selling it now to people, yeah. what would you say? I, I just keep it simple. It's like, I want to make people's days better. I want to make space, the spaces where people spend most of their time better. And that's really what I spend my day thinking about and what people at Latch spend their days thinking about. I mean, there's a Winston Churchill quote I really like, which is, we shape our buildings and afterwards our buildings shape us. And you know, I'm paraphrasing the quote, but that's pretty equivalent to what he said. And the idea is that the environments where we spend our time have this big impact on us. And I view Latch's role is creating the environments for people to be successful and just making things more efficient, more enjoyable. And if we do our jobs right, that contributes to people being happier, people having better lives. And that is really what we're focused on as a company. And whether that's in you know, access, making sure you always get your packages, helping you pay your rent, um, making sure that you have climate controls that work really well from your phone so you can make sure your apartment's at the right temperature, having the lighting work the way that you want it to work. You know, These are all things that we do today and it's just the beginning. We get to do so much more because if our mandate is to change the way and improve the way that people live in their spaces, the canvas with which you can do things is huge. And it's so, so exciting. That's awesome. Luke, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been a lot of fun and I really appreciate it. Connor, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the invite. We'll catch you next time on Intern Investing. Thanks everyone for tuning in.